This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful Burbank, California, this is the three things on the Knapsack Files podcast feed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 2019. Here we are. New year, new you, right? Don't give up. Keep going. I've said it before. I I like the changing of the year. I like the turning of that calendar. I believe in it. It's important. This year, though, I got to tell you, I didn't go heavy on goals resolutions. I never really go heavy on resolutions, but goals are important. A lot of them last year at this time, though my life was in flux. year before, I definitely had a lot of them, and I accomplished some of them, and I failed to accomplish some of them. Some of them, and and that's okay. I believe in it. I think it's important to turn that page and start new. This year, my approach was a little different. I'm in the middle of a big project, so it seems as though my fresh start's not for another month as I wrap up the project. Can't wait to tell you all about it. So I had a weird January 1st. I had a great one. Quiet, quiet. Watch Young Guns 2. Absolutely. It was great. Uh, I had a quiet New Year's, which I loved. Uh, So it's a different change into the year for me. I hope it was a good one for you. This is Three Things, episode 37 of the show, which I uh, just sit down with you and I talk to you about three things on my mind. It could be silly, it could be serious, it could be deep, it could be all of it. Sometimes I don't even know. I have a kind of an idea what I want to talk about this time. Uh, as 2019 really starts to pick up, the year's already over, it seems. Uh, more guests coming back in, holidays. He took I took a couple weeks off myself from this uh, podcast feed. I uh, was busy launching the Motivations with Ken podcast, which is housed on Anchor, uh, but can be found on Spotify and uh, Radio Public uh, what's the overcast or over, not overwatch, but overcast, I don't know. And then the big ones like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Just type in Motivations with Ken, you'll find it. Uh, I've talked uh, before about why I did it on a separate feed. I could have easily put it here, but I wanted to kind of divide the pie for business reasons. So I hope you follow over to that podcast as well. I know, I got a lot of podcasts in a lot of different places. I didn't intend it. Knapsack Files is, you know, this one feed. The Afternoons with Josh and Ken actually started on that feed. But again, for business reasons, we needed to kind of separate it. I got Casterly Talk. I'm going to do that on its own feed. It's actually my old Daily Thrones feed on Anchor. If you were a listener of that, go back. Make sure you're following. Casterly Talk is out and about. And the motivation was again. And at some point, I think it's probably too much. Who's going to follow me around? But I got to do it, and I got to do it with confidence as I go into 2019 and, and, and get back up and running here on the Napsock Files. This is the home base. This is where it all started back in 2013, and I'm excited. Got some good interviews lined up, and, and you know, if you listen to the show long enough, it's, it's the people I know. Sometimes I know them well. Sometimes I'm getting to know them. Sometimes I bring them in for the podcast, kind of know them, and then become even better friends with them later on. 
all that kind of stuff going to be happening here in the Napster Files. But I'm excited. I, I, I don't have anything completely locked down, but I'm excited to do um, some different kind of interviews. I love grabbing people in my industry, and I got a lot of uh, new names on the list to talk to and some old favorites. But this year I've got, uh, I got some targets of some people who, you know, uh, even in the Schmodown or Kaleida world or anything like that, uh, not or not as household names, you know? I'm not looking for the Twitter follower numbers and the blue check marks. I never did. That stuff helps. I want to get the word out. But I'm looking for good stories. And I've got some different guests with some, maybe some different stories. And I hope you guys are ready to follow me on that adventure in 2019, plus the other stuff like Hot Sizzler Nights. Heard a rumor. I heard a rumor. Someone texted me tonight. A friend of mine says, I, I saw on the internet, which we know is a trusted source, uh, <laughs> that Sizzler might be going away. Sizzler, you could take my Sears. You could take my JCPenney, my Circuit City, Best Buy, whatever you want to do. Take all that. Don't take my Sizzler. Don't take my Sizzler, but we'll see. Hot Sizzler Nights is coming. Uh, and I, all right, I'll, all right, I'll do this. I'll do this. I'm going to announce this now. I'm going to announce this now here. Also, on the Knapsack Files podcast feed, I promise you, I will not be taking it out uh, to another feed, uh, to yet another feed. It will be right here on the Knapsack Files, all right? Uh, at least this season. I'm going to do like a limited run, like a 10-part series. And are you ready for this? Are you ready to take this adventure with me? The name of the show is going to be called I Shall Finish the Game. Well, that's a long, awkward title. No, it isn't. Not if you not if you know Young Guns. That's right. I'm going to be doing a Young Guns podcast. I'm going to be bringing in uh, some folks to sit down and just to have a fun, silly, but respectful and deep dive on Young Guns and Young Guns 2. Uh, I don't know when. I, I, I've got some guests lined up for that. Some names that you, some of you might be familiar with. Uh, yep, Mark Ellis, Mark Riley, Nathan Hamill, those kind of folks. Ready, chomping at the bit to talk about Young Guns. Uh, but I got a, another one of my friends uh, who uh, has never been on the Napsock Files feed. He was on my other wrestling feed. Uh, he's one of my best friends. He's like my brother. And we have a powerful shared connection to Young Guns and Young Guns 2. He's going to come on. And we're going to see. We're going to see. I looked out there like, there's not a lot of Young Guns talk going on. They're the greatest movies of all time. They're also, you know, at times not great. At times they're wonderful. At times they're silly. They're all of these things. And maybe... I'm going to try to get a campaign going to get to get John Fusco, the writer of both of those movies, somehow on the podcast. But look for that. All right. Special announcement. I wasn't even planning on doing that. I shall finish the game. The Young Guns podcast uh, will be here on the Knapsack Files this year in 2019. All right. Three things on my mind. All right. Keeping in that Young Guns Western theme. I've got to talk about it. I've got to talk about it in detail. Um, with, uh, you know, not try not to spoil it, but you guys have heard me make references to it on this podcast, other podcasts, other shows, if you watch me on Collider Jedi Council, all that stuff. Force Center. Uh, I've been mentioning it way too much. 
And that is the three, number three thing on my mind this week is Red Dead Redemption 2. Let's get into it. So about eight years ago, about eight years ago, uh, the first Red Dead Redemption game comes out. Now, this, of course, was, eh, there was a video game called Red Dead Revolver. This wasn't exactly the same company, same brand, same story, but it was, it was different. It was like a complete reboot. I've never even touched Red Dead Revolver. Red Dead Redemption comes out, tells the story of John Marston, a former outlaw trying to do uh, right, trying to do good, trying to do good by his wife and kid. Gets caught up in some stuff. He's got to chase down his former outlaw gangmates. A lot of intrigue. 2010, I believe. It's so long ago, but seems like yesterday. Love that game. Love that game. Now, I, I am a gamer, but I'm not a big gamer. I'm not a super gamer. I don't really know all the stuff. I just play what I love. Uh, I twitch. I stream. I twitch while I stream. Uh, you guys, if you go over there and watch me on uh, on, on Twitch, you, you can follow me at Kednapsuck if you, if you aren't, if you haven't. I play baseball. I play Star Wars Battlefront 2. I play Fortnite. I don't, but I don't play them great. The baseball, I'm okay. I don't play them great. I just like hanging out with all y'all and watching it. So I don't game like a pro. I game like an amateur. An amateur. But I loved Red Dead Redemption. And I you know, was looking so, so... I was so... I mean, we're t- we got Game of Thrones Season 8. We got Episode 9 of Star Wars. I got to say my anticipation for Red Dead Redemption 2 might have surpassed those. Big words. That's a big statement for me, because you all know I love Star Wars. My career is based around Star Wars, and it is in my heart and soul. Love Game of Thrones. I've grown to love Game of Thrones and understand it almost as much as I've uh, loved and understood Star Wars over the years. But I'm telling you, when I heard the Red Dead Redemption 2 was coming out, I had to downgrade my excitement. I had to almost kind of pull back and pretend I wasn't as excited as I was because I so loved the first game. It was open world, you know, and for those not familiar with that term, it just means, hey, you got your video game, you got your map, you got your world that you play in, and you got your missions, and you got your goals, but open world means you can go whatever, anywhere you want. You know, you can choose to start a mission, you can get on a little side mission, and in Red Dead Redemption 2, you could go play poker for hours. If you wanted to go to the plains and hunt buffalo, I mean, I wouldn't do that in real life, but you could do that in the game. All that kind of stuff, right? You could get immersed in the world. And I love Westerns. I love the the Old West and the concept of it. Even though that concept is uh, as portrayed in movies and even the movies that I love, like Young Guns and Tombstone, isn't always accurate. It's a little more glamorized. You got to understand why it's the movies, yeah, but it changed. It didn't change the history; it just glossed over some of the darker sides of history. But you can watch something like Ken Burns' documentary, "The West." Love my Ken Burns documentaries, and you got Civil War and baseball are kind of his big, you know, important, famous ones. Love baseball, Ken Burns' baseball. Whew, that's a some of my favorite favorite media ever. But he's got one called The West. Peter Coyote narrates it. And it's it's tough to take at times. It's great. It's great. But it's it gets real. It gets real with some of the stuff that was going on out there. 
some of the, you know, treatment of the Native Americans and some of, of what they did to retaliate, which you look at and go, yeah, you know, I can see why. Um, but I mean, there's kind of, there's times you're watching, you're just going, oh, boy, <laughs> this isn't like Back to the Future 3. Um, so all that's there, though. I still love it all. I still love the concept. I love the concept of what it was coming out of the 1700s. We're expanding, manifest destiny, whatever it is, whether you're fully on board with that or not, it was happening. It was, it was, it was going on. And we're grabbing land and people are moving out west, literally this concept of out west, which is where the documentary begins. I'm fascinated with it. I'm fascinated at looking like a, like a gold rush town and thinking in my head, getting in my head, Going, if I was riding in on my horse with a wagon behind me, my wife and like 12 kids, all right, and we lost three of them in the winter storm. Um, if I'm coming into town, I'm thinking, oh, where am I going to set up stakes? Where am I going to build? Where am I going to grow and be part of this city that might eventually become, I don't know, Los Angeles? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's fascinating to me the expansion of America over the West, all of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's just fascinating to me. It's one of the reasons I like I love Last Mohicans for a lot of reasons. Madeline Stowe, about 40% of it, but a lot of reasons. But some of it is like you look, they're in like Kentucky, you know? <laughs> and they shot a lot of like North Carolina, but like a lot of a lot of this land would eventually have like an airstrip or a mini mall. And it just it just blows my mind. I love every aspect of the West. So here was Red Dead Redemption, and I could get on a horse, and it was a little bit later. It was 1911 the game is set, Red Dead Redemption. It was the West was fading, and it wasn't what it was, and it that blows my mind, right? You don't think in the 1900s, yeah, the West ended, uh, 1882 the West was over in a lot of minds, right? But yeah, no, it's still kind of going on. Still kind of moving, and it's still kind of crazy to me you know, to think of it in those terms. So, but uh, regardless of all that, regardless of all that, um, you're on a horse. You got a cowboy hat and you got a gun. So it feels like 1882, even if, even if the game was set in 1911. And I got lost in that world. So Red Dead Redemption Two ha- had a lot to live up in my mind, and I sent a tweet out. Uh, a jokey, jokey tweet about, you know, what's Ken, what's your favorite movie of 2018? And the answer was Red Dead Redemption 2, and then I made a reference to the game. So, yeah, that's not necessarily true. You guys know I don't watch a lot of movies, but the story of Red Dead Redemption 2, and, and to gamers, it's, it's not a shock. Video games, uh, the story of video games, the acting in video games, how they, how they capture the action of uh, the actors and the acting of the actors in video games. Uh, Mind-blowing, right? So far from what it was even five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. It's another world. In the story of Arthur Morgan, now this story set in 1899, so now we're in the 1800s, and you definitely feel like you're in the Old West. But that's what it's about, the changing West. Uh, the path of the outlaws, all that stuff kind of going away. It is, it is, it is a rich story. And it is a real story. It deals with some things, if you're familiar with the game, that you're like, all right, 
They're not glossing over a lot of the negative stuff here in the Old West. A lot of things, hard truths we might have to face as a, as, as a country. Yeah, the, it's there. And you're supposed to see it. You're supposed to face it. And you're supposed to grow from it like the character. Now, of course, the game has a morality engine. You can choose to take your character to really bad places and just rob a bunch of people and shoot, kill, and murder, or you could help people. And along the way, you're going to do a lot of shooting. Yes, it's a game. It is a game. Violent at times. But it really does go beyond that. And I have just been so lost in the world. Now, I finished the game, the story part of the game. Got through it. And again, I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't played it or are currently playing it, feel they might want to play it. But I was at least two or three times as the story starts to wrap up. And it, and it took me a while. There was one night on, on my holiday uh, break. Um, I was in L.A. here alone, no, not a lot to do, not a lot of social uh, engagements on the, on the docket. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take a break from my project, take, away from, take a break from work, and I'm going to just finish this game tonight. It still took me two more days after that point to finish the game. Uh, but along the way, as the story starts to wrap up, starts to change, I, I, I tears in my eyes two or three times. I haven't been that moved by some movies <laughs> in a long time. Uh, maybe that's an indictment of the movies. So the feel of it is real, as I, as I ramble and ramble and ramble. But it is on my mind. The story of the game is done. I've completed that. You can still play in that world. You can still just get on your horse and travel along. And now it's almost, it's interesting what it's done to me. Because you don't have the story to keep playing. So there's no, so to speak, responsibilities for you or your character in the game anymore. You don't have to worry about seeing what Dutch's plan is or going off to save this person or rob this tra- wagon or anything. like. None of that. You could just go around. And there's so much in the game, and that's getting into the, the nitty-gritty of the game, but there's so much stuff in the game, uh, you know, finding rock carvings or, or dream catchers hanging in trees, doing specific kind of hunting tasks, all those little things. To get 100% completion of the game, there's a lot to do, but I am trying to do it. Currently, I am going around the land, and I'm following IGN put out an interactive map, and some of the stuff, it's not like cheating. Some of the stuff, there's just no way you'd find these little things in this world. It's so big. And literally the, the the old map from Red Dead Redemption is part of the game. And that one we thought was huge. It did go down to Mexico uh, in, in, in the first game. But we thought, oh, that that's huge. It's one of the biggest, biggest maps I've ever played on. And I know there's a lot of other people who played Skyrim and all these other games and have dealt with some of these big maps. But for me, mind blown, right? You could literally walk for days in almost real time and, and move from town to town in the first game. Well, this 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 new map in Red Dead Redemption Two it triples it, right? It's just you can get lost. So there's little things. I'm looking for cigarette cards, basically collecting trading cards. <laughs> it's my current obsession. There's like 144 of them. I've got like 89 of them, and I and I thought I had a lot already, but no, no, I don't. And I'm just going around, and it is it is so weird how much I've just been pulled into this world. And all those things, the reason, I'm just rambling. What I was talking about, the, the documentary, Ken Burns, The West, and how I feel about the West, and how, how when I watch, you know, Young Guns or Tombstone, there's some, there's some especially in Young Guns, too, I think there's some big themes about about brotherhood and, and pals and, 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 and where I shall finish the game comes from. It's one of the more motivating things in my life. There's a lot of things like that, but I'm still fascinated by just how the West works, you know? 
just wide open plains, wide open land. I watched the Ballad of uh, Buster Scruggs, the Coen Brothers movie, uh, the anthology of Western stories on Netflix. Highly recommend it. I loved it. And there's one there, Tom Waits plays a gold prospector. And for most of the story, it's just him and his donkey in the in the wilderness. And he's and he's and he's looking for gold, digging for gold. And it, it I'm watching this, and, and and there's a whole different part, whole different aspect of the story that's there for you all to take in. But I'm just watching, literally watching this character, Tom Waits, plays a great character. And I'm like, there's nothing, and this is this is his, this is his land. Imagine if I walked down the street to that Target uh, uh, nearby me and just went, uh, "Cool, this is mine now." Like, and I know most dogs think that's the case; they just pee on it. It's theirs. So I, that's how much I get into this concept of the West. And now I can't leave this game. I've even I keep joking, but it's it's kind of true. I grew my beard out. I haven't I haven't trimmed it in a while, looking real shaggy. And it's because you can grow your beard in the game. <laughs> I just felt, I even started getting tuberculosis like the character of the game, I'm convinced. Got like a case of bronchitis because my character got sick in the game. And I'm telling you, like, it, I can't explain it. It's still in my mind. It's almost haunting. And I'm sad. The game, I, I've, I've pretty much, you know, I've kind of moved past it a little bit. The story's done. I'm just kind of, when I can, popping on for a little bit, going around and, I'm looking for some of these things I need to check off a, a checklist on the game, but I'm just wandering around this land, taking it all in, fully immersed in this character. And this is what we want out of a lot of storytelling. I, I think I, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine, uh, uh, one of the ones, uh, one of the friends will be bringing on the Young Guns podcast. And, you know, we we're talking about just how, you know, the demands of storytelling for fans has changed, and it's so hard. It's so hard. Episode 9. Don't worry about the controversy about Episode 8 when it comes to Star Wars. Just Episode 9 has 2 hours, 15 minutes at the most, maybe 2 hours, 30 minutes. I doubt they're going to do a 3-hour Star Wars movie in theaters. We'd all sit for it, but I doubt it. They've got 2 hours, 15 minutes to wrap all of this up. And I'm not just talking about Episode 7 and 8. Avengers, Endgame, or whatever the next one is, same thing. All right, two hours, 45 minutes at most. I don't know. We sat through Infinity War, which was long, and I like it, but it's long. And that's not even enough time sometimes. We are so used to now wanting our stories to be told like Game of Thrones, like Sopranos, uh, I was going to say Boardwalk Empire. I was probably one of the only few that loved that show. Um, Westworld right now, we want all the that kind of high-end storytelling. Stranger Things, whatever. Choose your example. There's The golden age of television is here, even though it's drastically different. There's you know, Watching the Golden Globes the other night, half the shows you know in streaming services, I, I can't comprehend where they are sometimes. Um, we want... We want our stories. We want a little more time. I think that's what hurts. You know, I love the movies. You all know that. But I think that's what sometimes hurts Solo, a Star Wars story, or Rogue One. You hear this often. What do you hear a lot? Oh, you didn't like Rogue One? Why? Well, I just feel I didn't know the characters. I think there's some truth to that, particularly in Rogue One. But we don't feel as though even two hours with these characters. Because I think in Rogue One, even with all the... The director problems, Gareth Edwards, Tony Gilroy coming in to finish it up. Forget all that. 
I think they do a good job of explaining the characters and, and, and getting you to, to know them and understand them in the time that they have allotted. But even then, I did feel it was rushed at times. That ending works if you feel they end, if they earn that ending. Uh, I think they did. Other people don't. And I think, I think it's almost not fair, not just to Rogue One, but any movie. Two hours is not enough anymore. Demands of storytelling have changed for modern audiences. And to that end is why Red Dead Redemption 2 is one of the more fulfilling stories I've ever taken in. I cannot recommend enough. And you go, you go places and you learn things. And it ties to the other game, which is actually, you know, this the Red Dead Redemption 2 is a prequel to the first game in a way. So it's on my mind. And I don't even have a point. I'm just rambling. Hope I hope some of that was interesting. Bye, everybody. No, I just, it's on my mind, and it won't leave my mind. And it's not just because it's a video game. And video games can be very addictive by nature. They absolutely are. If you're if you're even a casual gamer listening now, at some point you've started. Maybe it's even just a game on your phone, some kind of kind of brick breaker game. You just try to fling balls around your phone to, to break some bricks, you know? You'll find yourself addicted to that. Video games are addictive. But now they're completely immersive. And I think it's, as, as it continues to grow, become even more mainstream, it's weird to think that video games aren't mainstream and they make the most money and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of people just still, nah, I don't play video games. Understood. I, that's not a, it's not a, Thought I have a problem with or don't understand, but it's weird as, as it grows. I think this video games continue to tell some of the best stories because you can take the time to tell them. It's pretty amazing. It's been on my mind. Speaking of stories, the second thing on my mind, I am wrapping up reading a great book on the making of Lord of the Rings and a little bit of The Hobbit. It's called Anything You Can Imagine about Peter Jackson and the creation and the making of Middle-earth. And that, too, is fascinating. As someone who did start to go to film school and took a lot of screenwriting classes in, in college and all that kind of stuff, I am, I'm still fascinated with the process of making movies. I discovered early on that I didn't have the patience for it, and that's Okay. And radio entered my life, and it was something I, radio was something I always wanted to do. This is what I'm doing right now, sitting in my uh, house alone, talking into a microphone, is something I've been doing since I was three. So my heart took me to where I needed to go. But I love, I love the process of filmmaking because I can't comprehend doing it. And the Lord of the Rings trilogy is, if you get some of those, DVD copies or Blu-ray copies, whatever you want. The behind-the-scenes stuff, the making of featurettes, it's, 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 it's extensive. And Peter Jackson kind of wanted it that way. He's, he's interested in that, too. He loves the, the process of making films, the history of it. So it's fascinating to watch, to watch the behind-the-scenes stuff on Game of Thrones, to watch the, the documentaries of Star Wars, the one on Phantom Menace, the beginning. It, it's fascinating. It's one of my favorite pieces. Just to watch them make Phantom Menace. Uh, the Director of the Jedi, The Making of the Last Jedi, is one of the best pieces of, of movie, uh, how to make a movie or what the process of, of making a movie is. It's, it's one of the best ones. Absolutely is. 
fascinated with that. So I've been blown away by this book and the story, but uh, in it, in it is this concept of full, full on committing to what you want to do. And that's what I'm pulling out of it. Peter Jackson, of course, shoots all of his films or most of his films in New Zealand. Um, sometimes he has to I think the lovely bones he went outside, went to upstate New York or something like that. I, that detail skips my brain, slips from my brain, I should say. But to be part of this, and along the way, Peter Jackson and, and, and Fran Walsh, his, his partner in uh, life and uh, creation, would have to pitch this idea to people, not, not the studios, and there's a whole whew, fascinating section on. Miramax and the Weinsteins and New Line and Warner Brothers, all that kind of stuff. You, you can get all that. You can get all that, you know? That's there. Interesting stuff. But along the way, Peter Jackson and company have to pitch this project to people. Whether it's, uh, what's the, Alan Lee, the guy who did the, like, the art uh, cover for, the cover art, I should say, for uh, Tolkien's books, you know, the re-releases and stuff, um, that Jackson grew up kind of associating with Lord of the Rings, and that's how he wanted the, the, the look of the film to come from, to be based around. They had to go to him, pitch working with this project. They had to go to actors, right? Not just the ones who, you know, everyone, they were auditioning, great stories of Sean Astin getting the call that he's in the, in the project, uh, Elijah Wood auditioning for it. Fascinating stuff. And I don't want to step on those details in case you're about to read the book too. Um, but along the way, to be part of this potentially life-changing project, you had to commit to it. For most of the people, you had to move to New Zealand. A lot of the, of course, crew, Weta, all that stuff, the Weta workshop already there. You know what I mean? You had to commit to this. Peter Jackson had to commit to this. Stayed with him, you know, decade from when they started to write it and try to get the rights and and you know, write it as one movie, two movies, then three, and just the drama to try to get someone to you know make this movie. It's amazing stuff. You had to commit to that, and that, as we know now, worked. Right, that gamble worked. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King wins the Oscar for Best Picture was kind of viewed as here's a, an award for all three of the movies that you did. We know it worked. We know the technology worked. We know they had to create a lot of things, much like, say, Star Wars, um, you know, uh, New Hope and everything. You know, Lucasfilm, or excuse me, ILM had to be created to make that movie, you know. John Dykstra and his team out there in Van Eyes had to f- create how to make this movie. A lot of that was happening in Lord of the Rings. It's fascinating. So we, but we know it all works out. We know those three films. I'm not talking about The Hobbit, though the book where I'm in now does go into some fascinating stuff on The Hobbit and why maybe uh, it didn't work as well, the, the whole trilogy. Um, we know it worked out. So it seems easy now. Oh, yeah, you went out to New Zealand for 18 months to make this. And then you have to keep coming back, you know. But by the time a lot of the actors had come back for some of the pickups for Two Towers and Return of the King, you know this is working. But for Fellowship, you know, you don't know. 
Yeah, they shot the bulk of the movie all at the same time, but you don't need to come back for the pickups. Anyways, point being, point being, it's easy to look at it now and go, wow, uh, you know, seems simple. But imagine being in that moment. Imagine being Viggo Mortensen. Uh, the production's already begun, and you're flying out to New Zealand reading Lord of the Rings books, not just a script, but just kind of, all right, I've agreed to do this. I don't know what I'm doing, but I've got to commit fully to it. It really spoke to me about what what as 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 I approach 2019, as you out there approach 2019, with new goals and resolutions or things that you're still working on from last year or the last couple of years, or maybe it's your overarching goals in life, the ones you've had professionally or personally, and the importance of fully committing to those ideas, even when it seems like it's not going to work. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee, and that's part of the, the committing. That's part of the process of faith. So as I myself try to launch some things and finish up some things, and the doubts rage on, oh, the project I'm working on right now, I can't wait to share it with you all. But it gnaws at me at night because I'm sure some people are going to hate me for it. Some people are going to just, nope, not have it. And I'm going to have to face some, and and those negative things start to overtake the good. And you have to push it out. You have to push it out and commit to the plan and commit to making this happen. An actor could not have just gone down the freeway to a studio in Culver City or Playa del Rey or Atlanta or Vancouver even. Many of them had to fly for like a day and then live there. It wasn't just, I'm going to go shoot for six months uh, or six weeks or six months even in Atlanta. No, this was more. Some actors, yes, less, yes, 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 I get that. But overall, to to make the Lord of the Rings, you had to commit to it. Your life had to be it. And, And that, as I'm reading this book, as I'm reading the rise of an Oscar winner, you know, Peter Jackson, when it was announced, that he was making the Lord of the Rings movie. It, it was a big, huh? All right, Heavenly Creatures got a lot of good press. 1990, what, 94, 95 range. Frighteners came out. That failed. Whether or not the content was good, it failed. Um, this is the guy? This is the guy making it? Fran Walsh is going to be writing it? Someone named Philippa Boyens? What? They're making the greatest literary series of all time. We know now it worked out, but they had to commit. And so that is what I'm saying. That's what is on my mind. Full, full commission. Just com- full, full, no, not full commit. Full, uh, fully committing? <laughs> this is why you have copy editors. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. So number one, check out the book if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings. Fascinating stuff. All the drama, all the warts, all the problems, and all the successes. You got to commit to it. You got to commit to it. And the rewards will come. But it's not a guarantee. But I think even then, what comes after is part of that reward. 
Maybe we all don't have to move to New Zealand. It's not a bad thing, though. Maybe we don't have to actually do that. Maybe we don't emotionally and figuratively have to move to New Zealand. But you still have to commit. That's on my mind. Beards, horses, committing. And the number one thing on my mind, number one thing on my mind, what is the number one thing on my mind? It is truly finding a way to relax. And I have talked about this before. Talked about this before. But as I talk about committing to these ideas, talk about storytelling and things that matter to me, and I talk about work, 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 I and the people around me can sometimes be worn down. And if I've talked about this before, it's because it's something that's important. It's the number one thing on my mind because I had to shut down a little bit after the holidays. I had a little bit of time, turned in kind of the first draft of what I've been working on and just had to sit back for a couple of days. But I could, have, I could have pressed on. And it was the hardest thing. It was the hardest thing. And those close to me suffer from this too some while, sometimes as well. Uh, how do you just give yourself permission to be in the moment and that moment is relaxation, no stress, no pressure. And a lot of us, our minds are wired to constantly be thinking about it. And I'm like that. I don't know, maybe if you are too. All right, I'm going to disengage, disconnect, pull back for the next two hours. And you can't. Now, sometimes real-world responsibilities are going to emerge. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a caretaker. Maybe, maybe your dog's barking. I don't know. I get that. That's just part of it. But it is this part of allowing yourself the ability to relax, to turn off your mind, to clear your mind. And then that's when you kind of hear some of the things that you need to hear. Life kind of tells you the things in those moments, the quiet moments. I always believe, uh, I believe in prayer. I'm all on board on that. I love it. What they say in Indiana Jones and Ray's Lost Ark, it's like a radio to God. I'm all for that. that. But sometimes I think shutting up is what God needs from you. I think that is what relaxing is too, just shutting up, but allowing yourself to do it, and that's where I've been really struggling. And you start to wear down, and you out out there too start to wear down, and it's going to come up again here on the show. It's going to be something that we're going to be dealing with in 2019. I want all of us to be able to allow yourself the pleasure to relax, and not just a vacation. Quite frankly, vacations are pretty stressful, I think, but maybe you don't. But there's always that moment in a vacation. I think it's, sometimes it's, it's uh, it might even be the night before. You get travel anxieties. I suffer from travel anxieties and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes the night before, it's like, ah, the next four days, I don't have to answer to any of the normal responsibilities that hold me down. That's a great moment to be there, to be in. Great moment. Great moment. But find that moment. It's the hardest thing for me. 
And then, I, then the other extreme happens. Then I start, so I relax. I take a day off. Maybe it's to play a video game. Maybe it's to, I don't know, do some exercise. I don't know. You take a day off, whatever. And then I start to feel guilty for that. And that starts to weigh on me. And you're, you're getting no benefit of the relaxation. That's why I so say you have to allow yourself the ability to relax. So that's on my mind this week. It's a little bit of a shorter point because I'm saying, I'm confessing it to you all. So maybe we together can find a way to deserve our relaxation, to allow ourselves the feeling of relaxation while we're committing to our ideas and while we're growing our beards long. I think, I think we can get it done. That's the Knapsack Files. Three things this week. More things coming, including the shows I announced, including the guests that I've been well, hinting at. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I cannot do this without you all on Patreon to support me and those who are not on Patreon but support me by listening and spreading the word. Equally as important, and I want to make that clear. I do have to do a special shout-out, as I always do, to my producer and executive producer-level supporters. This is The Hump, Jason Humphreys, who sent me Jason Humphrey sent me a nice GOT, Game of Thrones, stamp collection. Appreciate that, Jason. Pags, Kai Thatch, Kyle Gerbrin, Zach Anderson, who in 2018 committed to the idea of starting stand-up comedy, and he did out there in Wisconsin. Jonas Berggren, who just tweeted out a great picture of the afternoon's T-shirt he got. Corey Morissette, Graham Bell, Kyle Harlow, my good friend Ty Schellenberger, my cousin Michelle Cox, who's made some nice Cool knapsack files, keychains, more to come. Andrew Hale, my executive producers. These are the ones who are at the top tier. DJ Snacks, Sir Thomas the Tall, Thomas Risling, uh, who's going to be part of the Casually Talk podcast. Lethal Logan X, uh, Matthew Simon Bedore, my Fortnite coach. Jacob at Legends Con, Matthew Maroney, Matthew Thompson, uh, Tamor, and his brother Abdul. More to more to come from them. Movers and shakers in this world. Nikki Baldwin and Donald Long. Ranger Donald, we call him around these parts. Cannot do it without all of you. You can go to the Knapsack Files on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Knapsack Files. Go to knapsackfiles.podomatic.net for more information, including an address to mail me stuff if you want. All right. I've blabbed enough. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.